This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to Simply Real Estate. I thought I'd have a little chat with everybody today because this is the start of our new show. We've got our new time slot and we're going to be every single week at 4 p.m. right here on News Talk 1010. So I'm really excited about this. This is going to allow me to give everybody more information and talk more about my favorite topic, real estate. You know, being around the block for a long time now in real estate, I've learned so much. Being a realtor and a contractor, I got to tell you, real estate in Canada has changed. In the last 25 years since I've been in the business, I have seen monumental changes. And by the way, this week, there was another change announced. And for those of you in the 905, pull out your pocketbook, get ready to write a bigger check because it looks like we've got a double land transfer tax coming. The municipalities are going to tell you when and if, but the chances are we're going to see more money coming out of our pockets when you close as a purchaser. Folks, as you know, listening to me over the last few years, I'm a big fighter to make sure that people can get affordable real estate. And guess what happened? The provincial government is now saying municipalities can turn around and actually control the upswing now on their taxes, meaning land transfer tax, like in Toronto, is going to double up. So question for you. Do you really think anybody or any municipality is not going to turn around and add this land transfer tax? You know, I love it when they turn around and they say something to the effect of, by the way, we're going to give them the option of increasing the taxation. Last time I checked, most municipalities, when even given a little bit of room to increase taxes, they do it. Now they've got this great amount of money that's going to be able to be collected. Now, what does it mean for everybody? Because this is the one thing that I think that we've got to talk about. Right now, depending on how it gets implemented, we could be looking at something that's coming down the pipe in 2016. And if that's the case, when is it going to be implemented? Are we going to get much of a notice? Are we going to get six months? Are we going to get 12 months, 18 months? Are we going to get three months? So how do you gauge buying a property right now? If you're looking in the 905, the outer suburban areas, how are you going to do it? So, you know, listening to us over the last few years, you know that we're always trying to encourage people, do the smart thing. Make sure you do something that's affordable. And everybody's been going out to the suburbs recently because it's been more affordable. The GTA's gone through the roof as far as prices. You know, we're in excess of a million dollars on the average detached property. We're looking at condos, you know, exceeding four and $500,000. So the idea of going out to the suburbs has always been the one that has been drawn by money. You know, we look at money and say, how can we do this? How can we be affordable? How can we actually buy something? And, you know, if you've been listening to the show, I keep telling people, hey, listen, you know, Hamilton, Burlington, Mississauga, Oakville, Caledon, Oshawa, all the outer areas, we're looking at affordability. Now we're going to have more tax. So what does that mean to you, the buyer? Well, if we break down the numbers and we start looking at properties around $450,000, the land transfer tax that you're going to pay, that one-time fee is going to go up by almost $7,500 on that purchase. Is that a lot of money? 
Well, if you've been scrimping and saving to buy that first property, maybe you're going to put 10% down because that's the one thing you want to make sure is that you put enough money down, you're still going to be high ratio mortgage. But we can't run this fee through on your mortgage. We can't turn around and roll it all in because it's going to affect your down payment. So $7,500 has now just disappeared out of your pocket. Where did it come from? Well, I think it's going to happen is that a lot of people are going to have to sit there and say, well, we're going to have to save a little bit longer. Or for that matter, maybe we're not going to put the idea of buying a property on the back shelf for now. Because $7,500 for the average Ontarian takes a while to save. It's not like we just can turn around and magically make it appear. So at $7,500 more in closing costs, what's going to happen? Do you have the money? If we're looking at a $450,000 purchase, we're putting 10% down, $45,000. So you got $45,000 and then now two land transfer taxes. You're $15,000 not including your lawyer's fee. That forty-five has now just become $62,000 to close on that $450,000 property. That's a big number, folks. And it's the one thing that we've got to be concerned of when people are saying we're going to introduce a new land transfer tax. Again, you know what? I think the municipalities are going to eat it up. I think most of them are going to sit there and say, hey, listen, we need the money. We're going, we can now do it. We're going to do it. I think some of them have been green-eyed monsters looking at Toronto saying, hey, this was a great idea. But, you know, the one thing that we found in the GTA when this was brought in a few years ago was the fact that all of a sudden the market went flat. When they implement it, all of a sudden, nobody wants to buy. Nobody wants to be that first person to pay that extra tax. I mean, why would you be? You know, why do you want to turn around and pay extra taxes? We pay enough as it is. So when we take a look at this land transfer tax, is there going to be a little bit of a rush on properties? Well, I think that's going to happen. I actually think that we're going to see the market. Once we can determine when this tax is going to be implemented, I actually think we're going to see a bit of an upswing in the outer market. So... What's going to happen? Well, you as a buyer, make sure you're pre-qualified. Do me a favor, though. The one thing, and again, you know, we've always encouraged this, don't overspend. Know you can afford this. Work out the numbers so this isn't going to make you broke. And by the way, that $7,500 that you're going to have to pay extra now, it's got to come from somewhere. So you're going to have to figure out where that's going to come from if you don't meet the deadline. So with the market right now, and we're taking a look at our interest rates, we're looking at the market saying, hey, listen, now it looks a little bit more affordable for the next 6 to 12 months before this tax comes in. Now, they're not saying every municipality is going to do this. And there is the option for somebody to opt out. So I think that that's going to be huge. So if in Oakville, for instance, decides we're not going to put in that secondary land transfer tax, then maybe the affordability looks at Oakville or perhaps Hamilton or Burlington. But when we take a look at numbers, eventually... Since they're allowing this to happen, eventually all markets will turn to this double land transfer tax. If we keep looking at these numbers and we keep watching the market go up, and if you hold out because you have to save that extra $7,500, sometimes the market's going to get so far ahead of you, it's just not going to be affordable. And then you have to consider, do we rent or do we buy that much less of a property? Again, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you this. I think the markets right now are going to stay fairly stable. I don't think we're going to see the massive increases in 2016. But $7,500 more out of your pocket on closing, that's a big number. And that's one of those things that you have to make a decision, buy now or wait and potentially pay that extra money. Maybe the market's not going to go up that much more. Maybe we get a 2 or 3% increase. But for $450,000 purchase, a 3% increase, you're still looking at an extra $13,000, $14,000 on the price. So 
let's add insult to injury, put the two of them together, and you could, in a few months, be paying $20,000 more for a house that you could buy today for a lot less. Again, it's one of those things that we're going to have to take a look at. I don't know what the provincial government was thinking, but you know what? I do understand that municipalities need more money. I just don't know if that's the best way to do it. Talking about taxes, one of the things that we've been hearing also in the wings is the fact that people are going to start having a roof tax. So get this. This doesn't make any sense, especially for those of you that own bungalows. But what's going to happen is they're going to start measuring out the size of your roof. They're going to calculate it because they're having a problem with all the storm sewers. Now, storm sewers, if you understand, it's not the actual water that comes out of your toilet. It's the stuff that runs off the top of your house or if you have a sump pump in your basement. The storm sewers are what handle all the water, okay? And that's when your properties are turning around and they, you know, you'll see the, the runoff, they go into the storm sewers. Well, right now, most of the municipalities are struggling and areas like Mississauga are taking a look at a roof tax. So how they're calculating this is the size of your, of your roof, they'll calculate a certain factor and you're going to get taxed on that because the storm sewers can no longer handle the amount of water that's coming down. So again, taxes, real estate, you know what? I'd love to tell you that I've got the answers for it. I still believe in real estate, but I'm seeing some of these taxes and they're starting to go through the roof. But when we take a look at the actual roof tax, I think the people that own the bungalows are going to be the ones that are going to complain the most because a lot of these properties, the two stories and three stories, they don't have very big roofs. So think about it, 1,500 square foot bungalow or a 1,500 square foot two story, your actual sill plate of your property is only 750 square feet on a two story but yet it's 1,500 square feet on a bungalow. So what, just because you have a bungalow, you're going to pay more taxes because you've got more rainwater? Well, the other thing is, is that if we take a look at all the areas that have been developing, most of the houses, the new stuff, is being built on posted stamp lots. Now, when we look at a posted stamp lot, you know, we know that size. We've seen that measurement. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? Something when people sit there and say wide lots, 50 by 80 feet, you know, 4,000 square foot lot, but we've got a 2,500 square foot home on it. So how much water can absorb into that land? Well, this is where the municipality said, hey, we got another area to tax and we can turn around and build infrastructure based on your roof size. We'll see. It's one of those things that if it does become law, I'm going to say that a lot of people are going to start thinking, where do we move where we don't have to worry about this? And I don't know if it's going to be in Ontario. So we have to watch out for this kind of stuff. You know what? We've had a real busy week here in real estate. And one of the things that we've got to talk about, obviously, is the fact that the condominium market, is it going to stall out? Where's our market going? One of the uh, numbers that have been recently released is that in 2016, they're saying that the condominium market is probably going to have a bit of a glut. Well, we've known this was going to come sooner or later with a number of completions. But ultimately, in the end of the day, where are we going to go with condominiums in the Toronto market? Every time I drive into the station, you know, I look around and I start seeing more and more buildings. And then I think to myself, did I see that building last week when I came in? And all of a sudden, there's another building there. They really do pop up out of nowhere. And it doesn't take long nowadays. You know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, your typical building would take years and years and years to build. But nowadays, it's like you plant the seed, you pour the water, and all of a sudden, you've got this massive size building. As long as it's been sunny for a couple of days, it grows. How is this and how are we going to be able to handle all these condominiums coming into the market? I think we've got some solutions, but again, it's going to have a little bit of an adjustment, both in pricing and in mindset. So this is a couple of things that we're going to have to focus on. When I come back after the break, we're going to talk more about the condominium market, because one of my concerns is in the news this week, there's also another situation. 
everybody knows about the Trump building. And of course, again, there's an issue on it. And again, a road gets closed. And again, what are we going to do with it? When a road closes in Toronto because of a condominium, who's going to start paying the piper? We'll talk more about that when I come back after the break. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. You know, we were talking about condominiums and the Trump Tower just uh, before the break. Once again, the Trump name comes into play when it comes down to something being closed in Toronto. When I hear that a road can be closed for two days for a condominium having an issue, I kind of shudder. I think to myself, okay, sooner or later, a condominium is going to have to pay. Now, for those of you that don't understand fully what a condominium means, is that when you own in a building and it is a registered condominium, you have a, what they call a share in the building. Now you own the actual property. So the actual unit itself, you have a deed to that. So you, it belongs to you. But when we own a condominium, you are also responsible for the expenses. And this is where this whole Trump issue starts to worry me. And for those of you that are going to own in condominiums, and we're going to have some of these issues come up in Toronto, if we turn around and we look at condominiums as a whole, and they start having glass problems, we start having things falling, we start having issues that come out. Well, then for me, I'm looking at it saying, okay, where's our condominium fees going to go? So let's talk about this issue with Trump, for instance. And again, this is not to section out Mr. Trump, his building, you know, the disclaimer will always say, listen, this is not intended to, you know, create any problems. But the one thing is this, a broken glass. So in other words, a big crack in a large pane of glass, when it happens, everybody's concerned that it's going to end up falling on the street. Okay, that happens. It's not just the Trump building. This is any condominium in Toronto. Now, everybody gets concerned. They've got to get up there to get it fixed. So what, what do we do? We close a street. All right. So now we redirect traffic. Who's paying for the redirection? Who's paying for all these issues? In most cases, it's normally the building itself. So the building as a whole. Now, this being condominium, this means you as a condominium owner. If you own in that building, the responsibility falls on you as one of the owners. So as a condominium now, the condominium can be billed for this. When we start condominiums, and we know that in the very early stages, people are trying to create what they call a reserve fund. A reserve fund is the money that's going to take care of all of the repairs for a condominium over a period of years. So a reserve fund study being done by an engineer will dictate that you've got to save so much money over the next 25 to 30 years, because this is what it's going to take to repair. But the one thing they normally don't put into account is some of the incidentals where out of nowhere, you have glass breaking, glass falling, road closures, and things that you cannot foresee. Now, again, in a, in a proper reserve, they'll have X number of dollars set aside for the you know, unthinkables, the things that we can't figure out. But if, if it repeatedly happens, what ends up happening to your reserve fund is it starts getting lower and lower and lower. And all of a sudden there's going to be a shortfall. Well, shortfalls now become the responsibility of each individual condominium owner. And now we have what they call a special assessment. When you get a special assessment, that's that one thing that nobody wants to hear. 
hey, by the way, you owe us $1,000 as a special assessment because we had it, we did the annual general meeting and we knew that we didn't have enough money. Why? Because, well, the window, the pane of glass was going to fall and we had to hire, you know, police officers around the clock for 24 hours and we burned through all the money, so now we have to pay it. Um, when we have special assessments in condominiums, nobody's ever happy. I've never, ever found a condominium owner that was happy about a special assessment. So what do we do with it? Well, you know what? Ultimately, in the end, if you're a condominium owner, these are some of the things that you have to consider. So when we take a look at buildings, consider what expense can happen. You got to read the documentation. By all means, you want to make sure that you go to their annual general meetings, which means that you understand what's going on with your actual building. I'm Todd C. Slater. And you are listening right now to Simply Real Estate here on News Talk 1010. We're talking about condominiums and what is your responsibility as a condominium owner? You know, we throw out the fact that some of the buildings in Toronto, they're going to have some problems, especially the new stuff. And when we look at 50, 60, 70 stories, it's not like you can just run up, change a window and turn around, look down and say, hey, no problem. We're not going to cause any problems. You have to cordon off a street. You have to close things. You have to make sure nothing's going to fall on anybody. Everybody has to be safe. You get either a swing stage out there, you know, some form of apparatus that makes it safe for everybody. And it all costs money. Money comes from a condominium reserve fund. Okay, it's part of what we establish when you establish condominiums. But ultimately, in the end, who is the one that's going to pay? It's you. Flat out, it's you, the condominium owner. So when you're looking at something, keep in mind, how much will you have to pay five years from now? Brand new condominiums are beautiful. You know, I always tease my producer, Ian Grant, about this. And Ian, I think you and I have probably talked a couple of times about when they reach a new development, everybody's sexy, everybody's good looking. You know, they send out these brochures. You got the rooftop bar pool. And man, why wouldn't you want to live there? But ultimately, in the end, you know what? You're going to pay for it. So when we turn around, we look at condominiums, you have to make a decision. What is it that you're going to enjoy? Despite the fact that you've got a bowling alley, a gym, and a pool, if you can't swim, you never worked out a day in your life, and you don't know how to hold a bowling, a bowling ball, why are you going to buy in that building? You know, so many people turn around and they fool themselves when buying condominiums into buying something because everybody else is. You know, you've got a friend that lives there and they say it's the best, greatest place to live. So you decide that you're going to live there. But yet this is not set up for you. You know, you're a quiet person. You'd rather have a nice library. You'd rather turn around and have, you know, more of a spa setting. But instead, you now have you know, uh, the access to a bowling alley and again, a gym you've never used and you don't know how to swim. So why bother doing it? You know, it's one of those things. And when we talk about real estate, you really should think about what you need. When you buy for yourself, when it's actually your own property, the three words in real estate, in which most people would say would be location, location, location. And I understand location is so important. But when you're buying condominiums, watch out for amenities because these are the things that if you're not using them, you're paying for them anyways. So when you say hi to your neighbor in the hallway, when you walk by them, they should say, hey, thanks for paying for the pool. By the way, I use it all the time and I never see you there. And so you are actually sharing the cost for them. So they're actually able to take advantage of the fact that you never use it. They do. You're actually paying for it. You know what? That makes you a great neighbor. So maybe if you talk to them, maybe they can give you a bowl of sugar, you know, next time you need to borrow it or for that matter, buy you a coffee. Because ultimately in the end, your condominium fee actually reflects everything that you have and that you're not using. I can't comment really about the Trump situation other than to say a condominium with a broken pane of glass can cost the condominium money. I don't know who's paying for this one, 
but you can be sure in the near future, somebody's going to. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk about the market and where it's going today. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You know, a recent number just released by the Toronto Real Estate Board makes it look like we're going to have a record year for the number of units sold. They're looking at almost 100,000 units. Now, folks, that's a lot of property. In the last 20 years selling real estate, I can tell you that I have never heard of a number like that. You know, I, I hang out with some of the top realtors in the world. You know, we always get together and say, hey, how many houses did you sell this year? And normally we're talking in the hundreds. When you say hundreds of thousands, it's like, oh my goodness, that's huge. So a record number. But what does that mean to the actual real estate market? You know, we sell a lot of properties. We've seen, val- you know, the volume and dollars go up. But what's, what's going to happen in this market? You know, everybody's afraid the sky is going to fall. Benjamin Tall is a economist. He's with CIBC. And one of the things that Mr. Tall weighed in uh, last week was he does not see the market crashing. And you know what? I'd have to agree with him because one of the things that some of the indicators are showing us is that the reason why we're selling so many units and the prices are going up, it's not just the interest rates. It's actually people that are trying to buy either their first home, move up home. And one of the reasons why we see a surge in price, because not always are we seeing a surge in price everywhere, but we're seeing a surge in price. And let's talk about Toronto for now. When we have very little supply and a massive demand, this is going to keep things stable. There's nothing wrong with wanting the property and not being able to get it. Because as long as somebody wants that property, there'll always be a buyer. But there's just not enough of them. And this is one of the things that Vancouver has faced. Vancouver's had that, you know, absolute perfect storm, and yet it's one of the worst real estate stories over the last few years. So here's the problem. Vancouver can never truly grow their market. They're landlocked. They have 48,000 properties. If they were to turn around and start knocking down a bunch of properties and go up, that might be a solution. But because the cost of the actual footprint of the real estate is so expensive now in Vancouver, it's not a good option. So here's the thing. Successful market, great area to live. People love it in the West Coast. But ultimately, in the end, their success is also part of their downfall. Because of their location, they can't make it any bigger. And so unless they can turn around like Toronto and repurpose some land, and they don't have enough of it to repurpose, then Vancouver is only going to be able to have certain number of units sell. But in Toronto, what we're doing is we're creating more and more units. You know, we take a look, like I said earlier in the show, we take a look at all these units that are being built up around us and they constantly repurpose land and they're going to put up another 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 units. And we're starting to see the growth. And of course, we've got the suburb market. You know, Mississauga is full. There's no more building permits left in Mississauga. Now we look at Brampton and Brampton's getting close. And of course, Oakville has come online with everything north of Dundas and now it's starting to get full. We're watching Caledon, Orangeville, Barrie, all the outer markets, they're getting bigger and bigger. And so our suburban area is getting larger. Now, this is not a bad thing. And as long as we can grow and we can bring more people into the country, and of course, people are turning around seeing affordability, 
except, of course, with the double land transfer taxes that comes into play. But as long as we see some affordability, we're going to see constant growth. But in the Vancouver market, again, the perfect storm is actually also a perfect nightmare. They can't grow. They can't make any more real estate. So as a developer out there, unless you turn around and buy a property for $2 million, knock it down and say, now I'm going to build up a $5 million property, there's no employment for builders out there. It's so limited. You know, again, coming into the station and I drive along the Gardner and I'm looking around and I see all these buildings being built. I also look at them and say to myself, wow, can you imagine the payroll to do all of that? It's pretty crazy. So we know that there's mass employment also coming from the building. Well, Vancouver can't experience that because they don't have the number of buildings being built. So again, again, supply and demand. If you only had a handful of diamonds in the world market, those diamonds will continue to go up in value. Well, you've got a handful of diamonds in Vancouver and they'll continue to go up in value. It's just nobody else can come into the market. So again, perfect storm and perfect nightmare. But in the Toronto market, again, you know, our consistency. This is the one thing, and most people um, that come and see me, um, you know, they realize that consistency in a marketplace is very important. A lot of times we do real estate seminars, and they're actually investment seminars. And we just had one this week, and it was amazing. I appreciate all our listeners that came out to see me, because we get quite a few new stock listeners that come out to our seminars. And we talk a lot about investment real estate. And one of the things that, you know, the biggest question I have always in a seminar is, Todd, is the market going to crash? And at this point, I would say no. But then again, you have to keep something in mind. We have what they call a split real estate market. What I mean by that is you've got your detached, semi-detached, and let's say townhome market, and then you have your condominium market. And the condominium market is based all on the brand new condominiums being built. So that's a completely different market than our detached market. You know, we've seen some incredible numbers coming across the boards over the last few years, and that is normally driven by the actual detached market. Again, supply and demand. There's not that much real estate left in Toronto for detached properties. And this is why the condominium market has exploded. You know what? They rather go up than go out because they can't go out anymore. So at this time, we're going to keep a split market. Now, will the condominium market adjust? I think there's room there. I think what we're going to see is I think we're going to see it go completely flat. I don't think we're going to see any increases. And the numbers tell us this. Right now, we've got more and more units closing. We can only eat up so many for people that are either going to be owner-occupied or used as investment. So the tenants now are going to start having better options. What I actually think I'm going to see is we're going to see some rent rates go down. So with that much supply, the rental rate will actually probably soften a little. And this is because investors have bought them as an investment. They're not going to flip them. They're actually going to play landlord. And if you're going to play landlord, again, one of the reasons why we talk about our seminar is the fact that we have a seminar that will help people understand what it is like to be a landlord. You know, it's a great education. But ultimately, in the end, if you're going to own a condominium in the market, you're going to find that it doesn't go up the value the same way that we've been seeing over the last few years. So I think 2016, if I pull out my crystal ball and I make sure that I get it all shiny so I get a clear picture, I would say that the detached market, so the ones that have been punching out around a million dollars, I think that's going to sustain itself. I think we're going to see a good market there. But what I think with the condominium market is I think we're going to go flat. For So I'm sorry, for those of you that have just bought and you're hoping that you're going to get this mass appreciation, 
I hate to let you down, but the truth is I don't see it happening. The market itself, there's just too many units in the market. Now, I don't see a massive crash because, again, affordability, the fact that we've got enough tenants, the fact that we've got enough buyers and first-time homebuyers trying to get into a market is going to sustain the market. But when we look at the factors that help markets go up in value, I don't see the condominium market having the big leap. Now, when we take a look at this marketplace, we've got to keep in mind what interest rates are doing. You know, currently, the U.S. decided to keep their interest rates as they were. Now, they keep hinting that maybe December they're going to up them. But right now, even though Canada likes to follow Big Brother, Canada has maintained their rate. And we're not going anywhere soon with that rate. So things are affordable. But keep in mind, just because it's affordable doesn't mean you should spend it. You know, when we look at properties, keep in mind what you can afford. Now, one of the things that most mortgage specialists will do with you is when you're actually working on affordability, they will actually calculate out your actual debt ratios and then they'll say, well, what if the interest rate was 4%? Keep that in mind whenever you're going to buy a piece of real estate because know that if the interest rates go up, you can still afford it. I mean, I like craft dinner, but it doesn't mean that everybody's going to have to eat it just because they can't afford anything else. So keep in mind what you can afford. It's so important, folks. And when we take a look at it, don't always go for the shiniest penny. You know, if you've listened to anything in this show over the last few years, it's I'm a huge believer in doing the improvements yourself. You don't always have to pay for somebody else's improvements. They did it for themselves. Maybe they were flipping the property. But you're, a lot of times you're a lot better off buying the house that has bad carpet. Eh, maybe it's a little rougher shape or something. Because you can do the work, customize it yourself, and guess what? You just built equity. And equity is that one thing that nobody can take away from you. As long as you're making that mortgage payment and the house continues to go up in a modest amount, you're going to have a great investment. And that's one of those things that you want to make sure that you secure for yourself. Coming up, we're going to talk more about the market and a couple of tips for the winter when we come back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. We've had a great show talking about the importance of understanding condominiums, and of course, we've been talking about the fact that land transfer tax is probably going up in the 905 and out in the suburb areas. And that one, I, I got to tell you, kind of gives me a crick in my neck because you know, the fact that we're going to have to pay more taxes in all the markets, that's a tough one. Of course, looking at condominiums, reserve funds, understanding them. If you're going to buy a condominium, please read the documentation, understand it. But if we continue to look at the market right now, we know that we're coming into the winter months, and this is normally where you can actually get a deal. Now, for those of you that are going to think of selling your properties in January, don't do it unless you have to, because this is where you're going to find people will negotiate the most. And as a buyer, remember, if somebody's selling their house right around Christmas time, or for that matter, in the new year, normally there's a reason for it. Nobody wants to move in the winter. I mean, when was the last time you sat there in January here in Toronto and went, wow, it's a beautiful day to move, okay? So normally if somebody's got to move in that time frame, it's because they have to. But as a buyer, this is the time where you're going to get a deal because when somebody has to do something, that means you just 
have to give it to them, which means you can do it for less money. So when we talk about market times, we always know as real st- in real estate that we see the market have its peaks and valleys, the ebb and flow of real estate. It's always seasonal. Now, we had a really long season this year. In fact, spring rolled into the summer quite nicely, which rolled nicely into this fall. But the truth, no matter what, as much as I would love to turn around and say, yeah, we're going to have a crazy Christmas season, meaning December and January, that is the market that always slows down. Think about it. If you're going to be getting ready for Christmas, or for that matter, if you celebrate any of the holidays, do you really want people traipsing through your house because you want to sell it? The reason why people will do it is because they have to sell it. So would-be buyers, if you're thinking that you want a deal, if there's ever a time to get a deal, guess what? It's coming soon. December, January, February. If you're a buyer, that's when you're going to get a deal. If you wait till the spring, that's where you're going to pay more money. Because everybody knows that once the snow is gone and the spring flowers are out, this is when the real estate market heats up. If you cannot buy in a hot market, and if you can buy in the downturn aspect of the market, then that's the thing. That's where you're going to get a deal. And as a buyer, there's always deals out there. You just have to turn over more stones. When we talk about deals in real estate, most people think, oh, well, I'm going to get it under value. Value is value. What a buyer is willing to pay, what a seller is going to be willing to accept, creates the value, creates the dollar value, creates the market value. You can't change that. If you are willing to pay X number of dollars and the seller is willing to accept X number of dollars, that is the market value for the property. We can't change it, but there are those opportunities where maybe a seller will be a little bit more flexible and you are a willing buyer and you have the money in hand. So keep that in mind because you're coming into your market. If there was ever a time for a buyer to buy, it's coming up now. One of the things that we like to talk about here, obviously, is we talk about investment real estate. That market is not the same. That is a 12-month cycle. It doesn't matter when you buy investment real estate. Your tenant doesn't care who the owner is typically. As long as they're acting like a good landlord, they have to pay their rent every single month. So that doesn't change. So you can buy investment real estate in December. You can buy investment real estate in July. Virtually, the only difference is, is that one's warm, one's cold. But ultimately, in the end, investment real estate doesn't have a cycle like regular real estate when you're looking to buy and move into a house. Investment real estate, for us, is very, very important. And at The Simple Investor, one of the things that we focus on, of course, is managing easy real estate, make it easy for people to buy into it, and do a complete management system. For years and years as a contractor, one of the things I learned was the fact that things aren't hard to replace. Things like toilets, windows, kitchens, you know, faucets. These are all very simple things. And if you keep it affordable, then it makes it easy. But when you have to go out and find three quotes and do this and do that, all of a sudden costs go through the roof. And as a landlord investor, it makes it hard for you. So if you don't have the time to do it, it makes it even more difficult. So here's the thing. You're sitting back with your family, you're enjoying some birthday cake because it's, you know, one of your children's birthdays, and all of a sudden you get that call from the, from the actual tenant saying, hey, by the way, my toilet's clogged, it doesn't work, what are you going to do about it? You know, hurry up, landlord, hurry up, landlord. And for most people, they look at it, they roll their eyes and say, okay, I'll get there eventually, and then they have to run out in a very important event. So what, what makes sense for you? Would it be easier, perhaps, to say, well... I never hear from my tenant because somebody's managing it. 
What if you knew that it's affordable? Okay. Now I know a lot of people sit there and say affordable. Oh, come on. That's a bait and switch. No, it's not a bait and switch. The truth is, is that things can be done affordably. If you have the right system, if you have the right tenants, if you focused on the right things, things can be affordable. So for us at The Simple Investor, we created a management system that dictated that, hey, we focus on the right tenant. Because when you have a good tenant, it makes it easy to manage a property. When you have affordability, it makes it easy for an owner, investor, to own a property. So you merge the two together and all of a sudden, the system is what we have. It's the simple system. And the system allows everybody to own a property. It's titled to them. It's a condominium title. It allows you to actually turn around and never know your tenant. They'll never know you. They'll never hear from you. And ultimately, in the end, we have the ability of guaranteeing the rent because we are the tenant. So the tenant that you have is actually us, the management. And then the tenant that we put into the property is normally what we deem the perfect tenant. The person that knows to pay, the person that knows to give notice, the person that knows to take care of the property. It's a really good system. When we hold our seminars, this is one of the things that we like to be able to tell people. You can always go to thesimpleinvestor.com to find out more about what we do, or you could actually go there and register for our next upcoming seminar. Now, a couple of things though. I'm not here trying to sell you anything. Because quite frankly, we don't have anything to sell. We normally like to meet with people. We like to get an idea of what it is that you're looking for. You can book a meeting with me. It's fairly easy to do. And it's just to have a chat. Because no matter what, I believe that everybody should own real estate. It doesn't have to be our product. It's just owning real estate. It's going to build your future. You know, it's interesting because the... Ontario government wants to introduce another pension plan. We've been hearing about it. We thought perhaps with the new federal government that that was going to change. The only thing that changed was that, you know, they're going to get a little bit of support. But other than that, it's still going to come into play. And if everybody counts on, you know, the government to take care of them, I would disagree. The one thing that I think everybody should do is have a fallback plan. And owning real estate is a wonderful thing. You know, start off with your own first. Make sure that you and your family have a nice, safe, you know, happy home environment. You know, something decent, something that's affordable. Start paying down that debt. Then, when you're ready, looking at investment real estate is going to give you a lot of options for your future. And it doesn't just create wealth for yourself. You can create generational wealth. And generational wealth means that you'll pass it down to your kids. Now, I like that. You know, I've got a young daughter, for those of you that have been listening to me for a long time, I've got a young daughter and I just can't wait to the day that she realizes, hey, I own a property. And ultimately in the end, that property is probably going to help her go through university, perhaps buy her first home down the road, help her kids out. And that's really why we do a lot of what we do. But these properties also will allow you to have security. Life throws curveballs always. There's expenses out there waiting you have no idea you're going to face. So when you own something, when you have an asset, a tangible asset, something you can borrow from, something you can take money out of, and you've got a tenant that's going to pay back that debt, that's an amazing asset that you've got. And we encourage the ownership. Deeded ownership is so important to real estate. You own it. It's yours. You control it. For us at The Simple Investor, we have the ability of managing it, finding the perfect tenant and making your life simple. But ultimately, in the end, it doesn't matter what real estate you buy. Make sure that you do have real estate. If it's in your portfolio, for your family, for yourself, make sure you have some because it's a very good asset avenue to look at.
couple of things that we, you know, just kind of close out and talk about what's been going on again for the rest of the week. When we take a look at some of the stuff that's upcoming, we're going to be always threatened about interest rates going up. We know that. Everybody's going to weigh into it. We're going to have the peak and valley of the, oh, it's going to go up, and no, it doesn't. So we're going to watch the stock markets. They're going to go up and down, sort of like a toilet seat at a busy restaurant. And ultimately, in the end, we know that our marketplace will change. It won't stay like this forever. But for yourselves, if you've been sitting on the fence, okay, do you really want to pay more land transfer tax? Probably time to come off the fence, okay? Save yourself the $7,500 because it's not just $7,500 you're going to save. It's actually the fact that you've got to save the $7,500 and it's going to take you longer, which means potentially prices are going to go up and perhaps you're not going to get the house you want. So if this does become law, the municipalities will weigh in on their own. It's not that they're all going to collectively say, hey, we're all going to do this at once. They're all independent. And so you're going to actually determine what area you're going to want to live in. So give yourself some options. You know, I always tell people, location, location, location. But you know the amazing thing about the whole southern Ontario area? It's got some great locations. There's not just one that works. There's a lot of them. We've got great schooling. We've got great areas, parks. You know, we've got all sorts of many, many attractive things that are in different neighborhoods. It's not just one neighborhood that outweighs the other. So keep that in mind. When you're looking at real estate, give yourself an option. If you, if you put yourself in only one direction, it's going to cost you money, okay? Give yourself options. It will be the best way. So don't just look at one house and say, I have to have that house. Look at five houses and say, okay, if I don't get that house, I like that house. Give yourself a fallback plan. Ian Grant, my producer, he was able to get into his house and it was kind of funny. As he said, we found the perfect house four times. We put in a bid, we lost it, we put in a bid, we lost it, we put in the bid, and finally he got the house and guess what? It is the perfect house. That's because he's made it at home. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at 905-812-2524 or go to thesimpleinvestor.com. I'm Todd C. Slater, and thanks for listening. 